Hello and welcome to week five of the Extra Point Podcast. I am Matt Temple Marshall. I'm joined once again by Ross Williams. And Ross, how are you doing? Very well. Very well, thank you. Can't believe it's week five already. It's absolutely, absolutely flying, isn't it? But uh, yeah, ready to get into it. Yeah, it does not help with games like last night. That certainly slows the pace down. And that's probably the worst, definitely the worst TNF, maybe the worst game ever of NFL. Uh, it's up there. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, I'm struggling to think of too many more. Maybe some huge blowouts, I guess. But yeah, 12-9, no touchdown scored, all field goals. Uh, even, you know, some extra football in case anyone wanted it. They didn't. Uh, just the, fan, yeah. the fans were leaving as it went to overtime. Just sums up the state of the Broncos right now. Yeah, real, real car crash of a game. Um, but as, as a cult, it's a win. <laughs> I like it for my <laughs> You'll team. You'll take it. Uh, if Leonard and Taylor out is one of those, you'll take you'll take the result. But yeah, against any other team, um, that's probably a quite humiliating defeat. So yeah, the less said about last night's TNF, uh, I think the better. Unfortunately, it doesn't get much better next week. Washington, Chicago. Rubbish, rubbish. Who has done these schedules? Who has <laughs> made these schedules? The NFL's given Thursday night football to Amazon, haven't they? So I think it's subtly being like, we don't really care about TNF anymore. It must be, it must be, because, yeah, hopefully they're going to start flexing these schedules from week seven onwards, but up to now it's uh, pretty grim, pretty grim primetime viewing, yeah. Now let's talk about last week. You had a lovely winner, didn't you? I did, I went with the Hawks. I went with the Hawks as underdogs. I think you got about four and a half points um, on the spread, if that's the way you went. Um, I went outright against the Detroit Lions. I fancied them, I thought the matchup was good. Wasn't expecting... 90 points in the game <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest uh, that's not quite the way it went but I did know it was the 31st ranked defense versus the 32nd ranked defense and ultimately the 31st ranked defense won <laughs> that's that's what happened um yeah lovely winner about seven to four you could have gotten that one two points on it myself uh, on the sporting life uh best bets article last week so yeah a nice winner and a couple of near misses uh, which I was a little bit disappointed with um nearly got the Vikings in the London game on the spread went for the push. Perfect. Went for minus three, we got minus three. Um, pushing a multiple, so that's always a positive. But yeah, onwards and upwards this week. A couple of winners for yourself as well. Yes, Chris Alave. I think his final catch hit him over his yardage line, so that was lovely. I, I went for over 100 yards as well, but I should have gone for the touchdown. I just didn't have the data to back it up, but it was more a gut feeling. And yeah, he hit that touchdown. And then the Cardinals, I mean, they did actually look quite good, but they hit the under sacks line, which was good news for me, so we'll take that going into week five. Let's get it, Ross. So it's week five, and the Packers, for the first time ever, are in London. Ross, you have a tip for this game. Let me hear it. I do, yeah. Finally completing the set, the Green Bay Packers. They finally graced, the, graced us with their presence after all yes. these years. Um, yeah, they're taking the Giants. Uh, eight points spread in this game. Um in my opinion, it's a little bit heavy. Look, the Packers are favourites, of course they are. Uh, they justify favouritism in this game. I'm going with the Giants in this one. I think Giants plus eight, I think it's the value play in this. I, I couldn't... So I always try and look at the... I always try to look at the opposite and say, could I back that? I couldn't back Packers minus eight in this game. There's no way. I, I just no. could not feel comfortable with that at all. It seems like a lot more value. Giants plus eight. The main reason, and I think the bookmakers know this, they must do because the total, um, the match points line is 41 
It's very low, extremely low for this game. I think they know that because well, they've done that because the Giants are the leading rushing team in the NFL. Like they're averaging 192 yards per game. They keep the ball in play. They run the clock down. There's literally just less opportunity for the other team to score points. That's why the total match point is so low. Um, so that surprises me with the spread being so high. It doesn't really mm. make sense. You'd imagine the spread would be lower. That's where I think there's a little bit of value on there. Um, if you look at the Vegas odds at the moment, more tickets are on the Packers to win this game on the spread. The money is with the Giants. The quote-unquote sharp money is with the Giants in this one. That seems to be where the value is. I think the matchup all right. I think the matchup all right. The Packers give up five points, uh, sorry, five yards per carry uh, against the rush this year, which is a lot higher than you'd suspect. As I say, the Giants are the best rush team in the NFL at the moment. They're not going to throw the ball. They're probably not going to win the game because they're not going to throw the ball because they can't throw the ball. But I think they can run enough clock to keep it close and at least have the Packers uncomfortable in the fourth quarter, which is ultimately all you need of an eight-point spread, isn't it? You look at the Packers last week and it sums it up. I think they were nine and a half point favourites yep. against the Patriots. Ten and a half, I think, in places. Yeah, led by Brian Hoyer. And then you think even better, Bailey Zappi's coming in. And that was such a tight game, like all credit due to the Patriots. But Packers need to work some things out. And like you say, the points total over under being so low, to have an eight point spread is crazy. That should be close to, I'd say, about five. So, yeah, I really like this bet. Yeah, and maybe maybe Rogers shows out. It's a big moment for him coming up to London for the first time. Maybe it's one of those, but he's not been at it for me. He's not been at it. He's been a lot more costly with the football. We don't see Aaron Rodgers throwing picks. I think he's only thrown four pick sixes in his entire career. One of them was last week. He's been a little careless, and the Giants' defense isn't bad either. So yeah, I, I like plus eight. I like plus eight. Right then, let's get into these Week Five picks proper. Let's look at Sunday. Let's look at the Sunday slate of games. Um, we're going to kick off in the AFC South because I know there's uh, a pick and a player in particular you really like in the Texans-Jaguars game, isn't there? Yes, give me James Robinson, the running back. He is looking nice this year. And so are the Jags. They think they're going to win the AFC South. They've got a really good chance to. I mean, a playoff team, who would have thought that? But they're facing the Houston Texans and they're just dismal. They're going to be a lock, lock on top three pick in the draft and... Yeah, the reason why I like James Robinson so much is their Russian defence. They have the worst Russian D in the league. They're giving up over 180 yards a game to running backs alongside six touchdowns through their first four games, which, I mean, it's just music to Robinson's ears, to be honest. Um, He's averaging 70 yards a game, but you think of, I think there probably will be some concern when you look at his recent game against the Eagles. He didn't have a good outing. You think of why, though. Obviously, it was a massive downpour. There was a lot of rain that game. But Robinson plays well when he's in a neutral or positive game script. That's when the Jags actually utilise him. When it's a losing game and they're having to chase, they often go to Travis Etienne. He's the, he offers real upside in the passing game. He's got that chemistry with Trevor Lawrence in that sense. Robinson is used more as just a power rusher, and he'll get those yards early on. You're facing the Texans and the Jags are seven points favourites. I mean, I'd love to know the last time Jags were seven point favourites because that's mental. It all just goes in his favour. Robinson had eight carries against the Eagles last week out. You take out that game and you look at his average on the season, he's averaging 17 carries a game. So you think of last week as just an anomaly, an outlier. Everything's going in Robinson's favour. I'm definitely backing him to hit his yardage line for rushing, which is 62 and a half. 
but I really like him for over 100 scrimmage yards and importantly, a touchdown. On this season, he's got 12 red zone carries and five of them are with goal to go. That ranks as, I think, top 10 in the league for red zone carries and then one of the best in the league for goal to go carries. I think there's real value in terms of, you just think of everything, the matchup he's got, the Texans, they're going to dominate the game clock. They're going to just, the deep, Jags defense is really strong. I think they're going to suffocate the Texans. Jags are going to punch the ball constantly. Robinson's going to carry it nonstop. He's going to get over 100 yards. I like this a lot. Yeah, I do too. I was, I, I, I really debated just picking the Jags in this game uh, as well uh, as one of my picks this week. I found a little bit more value elsewhere, but yeah, I do think the Jags win this game quite comfortably and probably on the back of Robinson, as you say. Everything there makes sense. Um, they should be in a pretty comfortable position throughout the game. Uh, in which case they want to run the clock, as you say, makes a lot of sense. Um, my first pick comes in the Patriots game against the Detroit Lions this week. Um, I feel bad. This is the second week in a row I'm picking against the Lions. I like the Lions <laughs> as a franchise, as a, well, as a current team, as the coaches set up everything. We have an affinity with the Lions. Um, Don't like the defense. Is if, if the Lions <laughs> if the Lions had a bad defense, I think they'd be about three and one. They have. An atrocious defense. Yeah, as I say, I always look at the um, the counter arguments of what I'm trying to what I'm trying to pick uh, because what I am picking is Patriots minus three in this game, and I was thinking, could I potentially back Lions plus three? And then I looked at the stats, and I had to consider the fact that I would then be backing a team <laughs> that averages thirty five point eight points. I repeat, thirty five point eight points conceded. <laughs> The game. I would have to back that team in Foxborough, Massachusetts against the Patriots. And I don't care who's a quarterback for the New England Patriots, frankly, whether it's Matt Jones, he's back, whether it is Bailey Zappi. Bailey looked good anyway, but yeah, Mac. Mac has logged a couple of practices, I believe, so he should be back. It could be Belichick out there himself for all I care. They cannot <laughs> stop the run, especially 235 yards shipped against the Seattle's on the against Seattle on the ground last week. Look, Rashad Penny, for all the will in the world, they made him look like an absolute all-pro last week. He's not that good. He's just not that good. The New England have a good ground game. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson chipping in. I can't look past the Patriots in this game. I really can't. The, the line's low at minus three. I mean, the Lions are going to have to score 38 points to get close to the way they're playing. And maybe they will, because they have got... <laughs> but... I think it's skewed as well because you can. The counter argument is they've got the number one ranked offense. It's because they've had to have the number one ranked yes, offense because yes. they're constantly chasing a game. It's not they don't want to be doing that. They don't want to be playing the way they are. They're forced into it. Look, you can see thirty-five points a game. It's not sustainable in this league. It's just not. And against a coach like Belichick and a team like the Patriots, they're going to get beat. It's as simple as that. I really like Patriots minus three. Yeah, I can see a lot of value in that. Definitely agree. Move on to my second pick, and I've got Cowboys Rams, and I'm picking out Matthew Stafford here. I think he's going to throw a pick, if not two, three. He has been shaky this year. I've got some stats on how he's been, and he's really down to his offensive line. Last year, he was sacked 30 times. This year, through four games, he's been sacked 16 times already. That's basically oh. double in terms of like sack percentage per play. I think it was about 4%. Now you're looking at 9%, which is just mental. Obviously, that's going to lead off to a massive drop in his play. You're getting more pressure. You're going to throw more errant passes, ultimately more interceptions. I think he's thrown an interception on, I think, 4% of his passes now this year, which is 
his highest since his rookie season. So yeah, Stafford's on the down and the Cowboys are on the up. Their D has been superb through the first four weeks. And well, they've had to be with Cooper rushing the lineup. It's very linear football, one-dimensional football. They know what they are and they know what they have to be and they have to rely on their D to get wins. And that's what they've been doing really, really well. Through their first four games, they've allowed just 174 passing yards a game and they've stacked up four interceptions. The way Stafford is lobbing the ball around aimlessly, he's only, and his targets are really weird. Obviously, the relationship with Cooper Cup is great. Outside of that, it's poor. Mm. He's using Tyler Higby as kind of like a safety valve dump off, not really getting many yards from him. And then who else really? Alan Robinson can't do anything <laughs> from the looks of it. So yeah, I really like... Matthew Stafford to throw a pick here. And then I'm back in once again, the Cowboys to beat their sack line last week. I mean, they hit the court, they hit Carson Wentz 11 times, but they only managed two sacks. It just, but sometimes that's how it goes. He was getting rid of the ball early and getting done for intentional grounding, which I mean, it's a great play for the Cowboys, but it's not a sack. But again, I think that should be classed as sack going forward. I agree. I agree. Yes. It's very frustrating. You celebrate. And I see Michael Parsons bringing him down. And he chucks the ball away. Gets flagged for fifteen yards, but no. Sack. They need to. They need to re uh, recategorize what that is. I think they really do. The defense needs more. Like it's just it's a stats league. Give the defensive guys something for that. It, it, yeah, it's a side point, but they deserve it. Exactly. But eleven quarterback hits, which. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, the Rams, I think they just had a seven-sack or nine-sack performance against the Niners. Uh, Nick Bosa went crazy in that. And, I mean, Mike Parsons is basically neck and neck with him for Defensive Player of the Year at the moment. Yeah, I could see the sack line is, again, two and a half, I think. You weigh all of this in. The interior offensive line for the Rams is poor. I could easily see them getting past his line for sure. Yeah, I could tell myself. Very disappointed with the Rams so far this season. They just don't yeah. seem to. Maybe it's just one of those Super Bowl champions. It does you do often see it where there's a bit of a drop off the year after, but this is a little bit more drastic than I thought it might be. Yeah, a bit of um, rust, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Obviously, the important football's not been played yet, but it does not look good, especially in division. It's poor for them. Yeah, it's just probably yeah. for them. The rest of the NC West is not necessarily pulling away at the same time but we'll see you wait you there. wait for the niners but yeah. or, or alternatively speak Alter- about to these, be fair speak about these seahawks yeah as i say that um as i started saying it i was thinking oh actually <laughs> i seen saying that the seattle seahawks um they played the saints this week in the superdome plus five and a half on the handicap um that's value for me I, I think that's value. It's strong enough. If it was a bit lower, I maybe probably wouldn't touch it. But I think five and a half is quite a lot of points in this instance. And I'll be honest, am I going solely off stats in this in this pick in this game? No. Now, we prefer to on this podcast, of course we do. This is one instance where it is a little bit more up in the air is that there's a few other elements that have to be considered, namely injuries. Still, the Saints are very, very, very beat up. You could basically look at their injury report. Pretty much every name on there is questionable. We haven't got a clue. That means they haven't got a clue. There's big, big names that may well might set you up this week, but then again, might not as well. Um, they hung tough against the Vikings last week. I think it was a valiant effort in London. It was, but they, they didn't entertain me really. They, they weren't showing all that much. Taysom Hill gets them out of the hole every so often, and that's that's kind of it. I mean, Latavius Murray came in with a touchdown of all people. Uh, he's still going. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> with the Broncos now. Whereas the Seahawks, 
look, it was a crazy game against a poor defense in the Lions, but they still put up 40 plus points in the NFL game. The offense, as we said it would last week, uh, we pointed out it ignited, it finally ignited. DK Metcalf was right on it. Uh, the rush game, looked, as I said earlier, it looks outstanding. Rashad Penny looks like an opera. It was, it was very well done. Geno Smith. Geno Smith ranks third in the league in passer rating right now. It's pretty insane. I think only two are Tonga by lower. Uh, Patrick Holmes is ahead of him. He's got uh, the best completion rate as well, doesn't he? And the best completion rate. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, not really been much talk about them at all this season. Both in the top 20 for receiving yardage. This offense is cooking. This yeah, offense yeah, is cooking, yeah. and the offensive line is keeping Gino upright, which is all it needed to do. Five and a half points against the Saints with their injury crisis, coming off a loss, and the big elephant in the room, only the sixth time in NFL history that a team is coming back from London and playing the week after. It used to be a bye week. It's not yeah, necessarily yeah, a bye week. Now, now we're in the, uh, the era of week 18. Uh, NFL teams do have the option to not have the bye week that week. They can take it uh, later on. They're given the option. The Saints opted to play this week rather than have the rest. There's just not a lot of data on it, frankly. I think actually after this season, we'll have a lot more data on what that actually means. Obviously, we're not. it's only ever happened five times in the last kind of six, seven years. Um, but there's naturally going to be an element of fatigue. There has to be. With all Definitely. this considered, yeah, with all this considered, Seattle are on a high... Why not? I think five and a half points. I'm not going to pick them out right like I did last week. So I think the Saints defense is still pretty strong. But with five and a half points in the back pocket, I like Seattle to cover in this one. Yeah, I love it. Great shot. That's really good. What are you going for? I'm going David and Joker again. Let's go but... back to the well. Let's go back to the well. Yeah. He, looked, he looked good. He looked good he last looked, week. He looked strong, really good. But a really weird stat line. I don't know how I managed to stumble upon this. He loves playing against the Chargers, David Njoku, the tie end for the Cleveland Browns. He's played them three times. And let me read you his stat lines. 2017, six targets, four receptions, 74 yards, a touchdown. 2018, 12 targets, seven receptions, 55 yards, a touchdown. 2021, seven targets, seven receptions, 149 yards, a touchdown. I don't know how this is happening. There's obviously so many variables that are going to affect whether this happens again. Sign me obviously. up. Sign me up. <laughs> but there's great. definitely a trend here, and I like this a lot. Njoku is building really good chemistry with Jacoby Brissett. He's looking good. He's looking really good. And he has 10 red zone targets. That's the most for the Browns, and I think fourth most in the league, or tied, well, tied for fourth most in the league. He's looking good over his last two weeks, 14, 14 catches, 162 yards and a score. Yeah, give me Njoku to score a touchdown. Weirdly, his yardage line isn't out yet at the time of recording. Bang the over on that. I think due to the start of the season, it's going to be around 40, 50. Uh, like I said, over his last two games, he's had over 70 yards. Yeah, I really like Njoku for this game. Can't argue with trends sometimes in the NFL. You really can't. And yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Some of it can be just mental, even. Um, yeah, I mean, the 2021 start line in particular. How can you look yeah. that? I love that. Love Huge that. Huge line. Right. Bring us home, Ross. Tennessee Titans. It's not, actually. I'm not going to go with the Titans. Okay. I'm not going to go with the Titans. I was going to. I'm not. I'm going to go for something bigger. I'm going to go for something bigger. I'm going to go Eagles, Cardinals. Uh, and we're going for some player props. We're going for some player. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to head into your area of expertise here and hit some player props. 
AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, superstars, superstars at the receiver position. Um, right now, for 11 to 2, you can get them to have 80 yards each, 80 receiving yards each against the Cardinals. You did mention earlier that the Arizona defense looked a bit better last week. It did. Admittedly, it did. Still to this day, the worst coverage rating by PFF by a distance. The secondary is not good. Yeah, Basically it was, their, it was their, well, Zach Allen, basically, that looked good. Not yes. the secondary. No, exactly. It very much is uh, the guys on the front rather than rather than the guys at the back. It, it's it's pretty rough out there. It's pretty rough out there for the Cardinals. Arizona can be a rough watch, to be honest. Um, they're somewhat exciting because you know what Kyler can do on the other side of the ball, but yeah, you, you're kind of watching for your fingers sometimes at that defence. Bad time to play Philadelphia. Bad time to play Philadelphia in this spot. Look, they're defined by the run game. That's what people think. People think this Philadelphia team is defined by the run game because they're so good at the run game. Jalen Hurst has thrown for more yards than Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes this season. Wow. Let that one sink in. Yeah, this team throws the ball around when they want to, when they have the opportunity to do so, when they see a team they can throw the ball on. And that's what's crucial about this one. This is where they'll see an opportunity this week, I think. The A.J. Brown part of this bet, he averages over 100 yards. He's one of only four players in the NFL to do it. He's an absolute stud. Um, He's gone to him every single week. He's delivered every single week. He's started scoring touchdowns now. It's hard to not see him scoring, uh, getting 100 yards every week. Frankly, he's that good. I will never understand why Tennessee did the trade they did, but... There he is. He's in Philadelphia. He's catching balls. Simple as that. For him to have 80-plus, you can see the clear logic there. Devontae Smith is the more difficult one, admittedly. He's averaging 66.5 yards per game, so obviously he needs to make it up a little bit. But what's impressive about that is when you kind of dig into those actual games he's done it in. He's played four games this year. Two of those games, he had 17 yards combined. And he still averages 66 yards per game over four because it's how they played the game. There's two games in that stint where they massively prioritised the run against the Lions, against the Jags. They pounded them with the run. They didn't use Jalen Hurts so much because why would you? Because those defences were a little bit better in the secondary, or at least they thought the Lions were a little bit better in the secondary week one before we'd had a real good look at them. So Devontae Smith wasn't really a factor. However, the two games in between, the Vikings and the Commanders, where they thought, right, we can get at this secondary, 80 yards, and then 169 yards. He showed out. Exactly. You're going to the Cardinals. As I said, this is the worst coverage unit in the league. Jalen Hurts will see an opportunity. Devontae Smith will see this opportunity. AJ Brown will do AJ Brown things. 11 to 2 for them both to have 80 yards. A bit more of a punt than I usually do uh, on this pod, admittedly, but I love the value there, personally. I like it a lot. Great shout. And that's all I've got time for today. Thank you very much for listening to the Extra Point podcast. Hopefully some more winners this week and we can address those next week when we see you again. And of course, we'll be talking week six football very, very soon. Enjoy the football this weekend and we'll see you later.